Unlabeled Leadership is a volunteer service. We appreciate our guests for their stewardship and remarkable stories. We also appreciate listeners like you who back the show with star reviews and contributions. Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 148. Alan Carroll explains mindful practice. This is a bonus episode in which I share conversations that occur between the regular episode segments. Here's a shout out to listeners in Lansing, Michigan, Burlington, New Jersey, Mentor, Ohio, Decatur, Georgia, and in the Northern District of Israel. With that, let's get started. Through his company, Alan Carroll and Associates, Alan offers mindfulness in action workshops. He's a practicing transpersonal psychologist, which you'll learn about a little bit later. What I'm going to do now is share with you three excerpts from conversations that occurred between parts of episode 147, Alan Carroll takes speaking and communicating to a new level. I don't always have bonus episodes, but I thought this one you'll enjoy. Part one, still the mind with the stop technique. During one of our conversations, I asked Alan to share with me one of the techniques he uses with his workshop participants. The conversation eventually led to Alan sharing a technique called STOP, S-T-O-P. I'll let Alan explain. But first, Alan talks about stillness. Here's Alan. Well, what's the opposite to stillness? So the opposite to stillness is agitation. Right now, I'm blowing air out of my body and I'm vibrating the air, which is causing agitation. What was there before I blew the air out of my body? No agitation. Stillness. Where does the sound come from? It comes from stillness. You then hear it for a second, and then it fades away, just like a soap bubble. You blow a soap bubble, it's there, and then it disappears. Well, where was it before? It was empty space. And then you put a soap around the empty space and called it a soap bubble. Where's the sound on the? Now you hear it, and now you don't. Where was it before you heard it, and where did it go? It went from stillness back into stillness. When you begin to practice that, you begin to immerse yourself into this place of relaxation and stillness. An exercise that we use to still the mind, the thoughts inside your head, I call it the stop technique, which I got from Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle in their podcast that they did. They said, well, the stop technique, S-T-O-P, first of all, you have to wake up and realize that you're thinking about something and tell yourself, okay, I'm going to stop. That's the S. Now that you have realized that you're thinking and you say, I'm going to stop, I'm going to take three breaths. And when I take three breaths, I'm going to inhale for a count of four I'm going to exhale for a count of five. I can do that three times. That's the T, three breaths, three times, S-T. O is the observation of the physical tension in your body. And as you breathe out, you're allowing that physical tension in your body to flow out of your feet, just like it's moving out into the ground underneath you. That's the O. So the S-T-O. And then the P is now proceed with kindness. Kindness is a positive thought about something, do something kind, smile on your face, something that's an act of kindness. It takes maybe 30 seconds to do. 
what that does is whatever thought, whatever train of thought that you were thinking before you did the stop, and at the end of the stop, you've done the exercises of the stop, that thought that you were thinking has faded away. It's no longer there on the forefront. It's gone into the background. 24-7, you're riding a train of thought inside your head and you don't even know it until you're able to disembark from the train, go on to the station, walk around a little while, take a couple of breaths, exercise your body, then go back on the train and then continue on the journey. Disrupting the train of thought that you're thinking allows you to become still. Disrupting the train of thought that you're speaking allows you to become still. So the space technology is a disruptive technology because we're disrupting the automaticity of the thinking and we're disrupting the automaticity of the speaking. And when you disrupt the automaticity of your speaking, you go from automatic transmission on the automobile to manual transmission on the automobile. And now I have control of the car, which is the body and what I have to say. That's very important to be able to do that because if you, if you don't have manual control of the instrument, then you're automatically reacting to everything around you based on your conditioning, which means you are using your past knowledge in order to solve the problem in front of you now because you're using your thoughts to solve the problem in front of you. Well, the thoughts come from the past. When you're able to create spaces between the thoughts, you're then able to become present and mindful, present and mindful, non-judgmental in this moment of now. You can take a breath, you can relax your body, and so you can see more clearly. And so the decisions that you make when you are present and mindful are going to be more strategically long-term valuable than the automatic reaction you had about it. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry I did that. I know. You reacted rather than practice stopping and pausing to create that stillness. You got to practice it. You got to practice stillness. So I would encourage your listeners to one time a day, see if you can just one time a day, can you do an S-T-O-P? Can you stop? Part two, keynote speaking, practice or improvise. As the founder of Allen Carroll and Associates, Allen has worked with thousands of professionals to help them become professional speakers. During one of the breaks, I asked Allen to talk about how important it is for speakers to practice. Here's how I phrased the question. When you explore keynote speaking and you find people who are exceptional at it, their career is based on it. They go out three or four days on the road. They talk to novices. What they'll tell them is you need to practice over and over and over again. You need that opening to be perfect. You need the practice like practicing a musical instrument, practicing a sport, etc. But I'm curious, how important is that practice versus trying to be more spontaneous in the moment? Is it both? There's a, an experiment we did in high school. You probably did it in your high school in chemistry. And they had the beaker of liquid and they would take an eyedropper of another liquid, which was clear. And so it's a clear liquid into a clear liquid. The clear liquid drops into the other clear liquid, drop, 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 drop. And all of a sudden the clear liquid, boom, it turned pink. And then if you took the clear liquid and dropped it into the pink liquid, drop, 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 it would turn clear again. To develop stillness, which is what you need, 
no agitation, mental equilibrium, it takes practice. If you continue to practice, I call it mindful, spacious speaking, because every time you speak, is an opportunity to not speak. And every time people speak, they think it's an opportunity to speak. Every time you speak, it's an opportunity to practice not speaking. And so speaking becomes a great tool that you can use to allow yourself to anchor yourself in the present moment and become more grounded in the present moment. So you bring that vibration of stillness wherever you go. Whether I come up into an audience, whether I'm not in front of an audience, whether I'm talking to you, I'm practicing stillness, relaxation, and breathing. Stillness, relaxation, and breathing. So now when I arrive into the auditorium and I see 500 people in front of me, I'm grounded. I have my first line. I have my introduction. I have thoughts about how I want to start. And I usually like to start in a way that is unexpected. I can do it because I'm grounded and it's the thing to do. One of the big benefits of being able to pause and take the flashlight and explore that space between the sounds called silence is you discover that there's wisdom there. If you stay with the sound, you're like ripples on top of the ocean. When you pause, you become, it's a portal that allows you to get to the ocean. When the speaker or the leader comes up in front of the audience, is it like the ocean being grounded and still? Or is this person, I don't want to talk about that. They're not under control of the physical body. They're not under control of the thoughts that they're thinking. And therefore, they're out of control. They're on automatic. Being able to pause, being able to ground themselves is essential and spontaneous. It's all spontaneous, Gary. The problem with most of the speakers is that they overprepare. They're so nervous about making a mistake. They have their PowerPoint slides and all organized and they make love. I call it make love to their PowerPoint slides. They make love to the data. They worship the goddess of data. As a professional leader and a professional speaker, if you want to inspire people, you should be worshiping the goddess of silence because silence allows you to become grounded and it allows you to have the clarity and allows you to improve your articulation of the thought that you want to deliver to the audience. And most people are not grounded. They're not even thinking about becoming grounded. They're thinking about what's the next thing I have to say? And so there's no performance to it. There's no quality to the delivery. There's no artistry to the delivery. There's no vocal variety to the delivery because they haven't been able to create the space that allows them to get control and to manage their speaking. And that space is the space of silence. The beauty of the show for me is being able to meet people like you and learn from your experiences and what you give to the world. I'm thankful. The benefit to me, Gary, is to meet people like you, because we are brothers on the journey. You have your path. I have my path where the paths are intersecting at this point in time. You bring the light from your place. I bring the light from my place. And together, the light is brighter, which allows for a healing to take place in people's consciousness. I'm a transpersonal psychologist. I'm dealing with the reducing of suffering. And people suffer a lot. And they suffer the thoughts that they think. They don't suffer the physical world. They suffer the thoughts that they think. If you can begin to manage the thought that you think, it will reduce the suffering. People cannot manage the thoughts that they think because that's a very metaphysical. It's like grabbing air. How do you manage the grabbing air? But you can. You can manage the thoughts that you speak. When you manage the thoughts that you speak, you now have control of the entity that's doing the speaking. Well, what is the entity that's doing the speaking? The entity that's doing the speaking is called your identity. Another word for identity is ego. Ego causes the suffering because the ego wants more of everything. 
the being wants unity. It wants everybody to be together. It's not me, it's us together. The ego is interested in taking things for itself. Part of the challenge is to be able to transcend that ego level of awareness into a transcendent level of consciousness in which there is space. We go back to that space again. Part three, defining transpersonal psychology. Part of what unlabeling leadership is about is just that, unlabeling terms related to leadership. But in this case, I wanted Alan to unlabel what transpersonal psychology is. Again, here's Alan. Transpersonal psychology, Gary, is it's the, basically there's a belief that there are the thoughts that you think, and everybody thinks thoughts, but there's also the canvas upon which the paint is painted. That's the transcendent dimension. And so when you pause, you're accessing the transcendent dimension. When you meditate and you create the gaps between the thoughts that you're thinking, you are accessing the transcendent dimension of consciousness. The transpersonal psychologist says that the path, the holy grail, the uh, philosopher's stone, the golden fleece, all these are, are symbols of that transformation process of, the, of, of Carl Jung, the, the individuation process. The major arcana of the Torah, the 22 cards, starts from the ego to the being. It's there all over the place, and it's there in public speaking. And so if a leader could access that power, it makes them look phenomenal in front of an audience. Not only do you want to look phenomenal, you want to be able to inspire Mm, the audience to follow you into battle. Wherever you want to guide them, you want to inspire them to follow you. And if you can articulate your thoughts in an inspirational way, people will say, wow, that's that. I, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that path. I'm interested in what that, that leader's saying. And so then you, you enroll people onto the journey that you want to take them, which requires vision. My thanks to Alan Carroll. If you'd like to learn more about Alan, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, go to unlabelleadership.com click the message icon to leave a voicemail message. I'd like to thank those who donate to the show. Your contributions makes a difference because this is an all-volunteer service. Thank you for listening. I'm Gary DePaul. Until next time, lead on. Lead on.